So this interesting thought just occurs to me. It's basically a description of what's already been happening, but I have uh, just went through the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. I have $60.54 in my checking account. That's all the money I have in the whole world. Now, most people would panic. Obviously, I want to be concerned. I need to be you know, responsible with what I spend and careful and all that, but um, long gone are the days of having twenty dollars or $30,000 in my checking account. Now, for the last really two and a half years, it's actually three years, actually two and a half years, I've lived by totally by faith, where I may have $20 in my checking account, I may have $2,000. And I am right now sitting here going, wow, I should be panicked. The old me would be panicked. And I don't panic anymore. And I want people to understand this, that because when you live on faith, you're not living with no money. You're not living with no security. See, take for example a guy who may want to find a woman right now. Okay, what woman in her right mind would want to get involved with a guy who lives financially somewhat by the seat of his pants and totally in faith upon God? No, they want to know, do you have $50,000 in the bank? How much debt are you in? You know, what's your security? Do you have a home? Do you have a car? And I'm sitting here realizing that I don't have those things, but I have a Father in Heaven who has all of those things and then some at His disposal, and any time He decides to, He can make them available to me. So I fully will, I have $60 in my account. That's not enough money to get home. Well, I worked uh, last week one night. Uh, camera guy couldn't work out so he called me and says hey what are you doing for two hours on Wednesday night I said what do you want me to do and I went over and filled in for his guy and shot and made $150 and I suspect I'll be paid on it today or tomorrow and I'm leaving on Sunday so I'm totally living on faith that God will provide and he continues to provide um, not always exactly what I want or what I want I have some debts right now that I need to pay I'm behind on my phone but uh, and my IRS bill, but nothing's being demanded, nothing's being collected, and my phone's still on. So the money will come in exactly when it's supposed to. And this has happened for the last two and a half years. I have lived like this, and it is amazing. And it's so freeing when you realize when you can totally trust God, you don't have to have money in the bank. You don't have to store up tons of stuff. God will provide and you become dependent upon him rather than dependent upon your bank account, which quite honestly could be gone the next day. So anyhow, interesting thought. Just as promised, the Lord provided the $150 check from Brimbar, so now I have enough money to get home. He's faithful, and I just praise him for that. And right behind that, I at the same time, I got an email from um, Nathan Nelson at ex-attorney saying, Michael, we're going to object to you appearing via phone because it's in the order of contempt on the parenting agreement, but we'll accommodate your uh, requirements or your, you know, being out of town for the 15th. And so, and they put in these huge explanations about how they tried to reach me by phone and they tried to do this and tried to do that. And um, so now I'm at this place where, okay, what do I do? Now, I could sit here and I could begin to intellectually process this and try to figure it out. And this is where people go wrong. This is where that childlike faith comes in. 
where you literally have to abandon, you literally have to abandon um, the intellect and what you would normally do because you do not walk by sight, you walk by faith. It's just like I made the journal entry, you know, three hours ago saying I have $60, I can't get home, but I know God's going to provide. And he provided. It's just amazing. It's amazing and yet it's just the way it's designed to work. It's the way God designed us to live by faith in him because he, it pleases him to know that I'm sitting down here not freaking out and panicking because I trust him. And so now I have to trust him for the results in this 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 uh, divorce situation. I need to figure out, okay, what does he want me to do with the hearing here? Am I supposed to go to this hearing or is this the enemy? Because when I look at where this is all coming from, this is all coming from the devil. This is not coming from a person who's righteous. This is not coming from God's direct hand. This is coming from the enemy. He creates confusion. It's antagonism. It's harassment. And it's nonstop harassment. So if I engage in that, I'm defeating myself just by engaging. So what I have to do is stick very closely and be fully dependent as a child on his father for the Lord to guide me and direct me. He very well may want me to show up at this hearing. But it also may be that I'm able to stand in faith because twice now I have prayed. <clears throat> father, what would you have me do? Do I go back to Alabama or do I show up for these hearings? I mean, this is harassment. I'm not guilty of any of these things. Your hand has already declared judgment. I have a divorce. I have a final judgment, and they're still whining about it. That doesn't matter. You, God showed me Isaiah fourteen twenty seven. I believe it's fourteen twenty seven. That says, "When the when the Lord purposes, who can thwart His hand? Who can turn His hand back? Nobody." So God was showing that that nobody's going to be able to unwind what God's already done. He's not. They're not going to be able to unwind this. So I don't need to walk in fear and concern. This is the enemy still messing with me and at the same time it's God still strengthening my faith he's showing me that I can believe him in spite of all circumstances the enemy doesn't give up but what the enemy can't see he's not omniscient he doesn't know the future the enemy can't see that all of these failed attempts do nothing but to serve to strengthen me in my faith and my resolve to obey and trust God praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so here I am now. I'm totally relaxed. Um, and I'm going to wait and have the Lord show me. I'm going to wait patiently upon the Lord to have him tell me. But so far, he has shown me two seven sevens each time I've prayed. That to me would be indicative of the Father handling this outside of an earthly court. Just like he did with the final arrangement, the final agreement. He did a miracle and in spite of what the courts couldn't do for me, God did for me, and he miraculously removed all of those things out of the divorce agreement. That's absolutely amazing. So now I'm seeing 777 twice when I've been praying. So I'm like, okay, Lord, so I'm going to just wait patiently on the Lord, not get ahead of him. I'm, I'm, I want to walk in step with the Spirit. I'm not going to make a decision of my intellect. I'm going to walk in step and pay very fast attention to listen to what the Father tells me to do because whatever He tells me to do, that is what I will do. Period. End of story. Whether it means going against the court, whether it means having to stay, whatever, I will do what He tells me. So, just want to journal this as I'm going through the process to help people understand what this looks like behind the scenes when things like this occur. 
So I'm near Macon, Georgia, and I saw 666 uh, first thing this morning, and I think I've seen it uh, twice today. And I said, okay, all right, I know it's something's coming, and I just immediately thanked the Lord. And I have had an email since 1247. It's now 249. I just checked my email finally. And, of course, there's an email in there about uh, me appearing via phone in case I have to go to Africa on these court things. And so I'm sitting here realizing that they don't get it. I can't be in court on the 6th. I'm headed back to Alabama. I cannot stay in Florida anymore. And I cannot show up. And I'm sitting here thinking how ridiculous this is that somebody can accuse you of all the things they've accused me of and just drag me into court pretty much any time they want. And then I'm going to have to, I'm expected to spend the money and the time to get back to Florida to appear in court. It really is just crazy. And I found myself sitting there thinking about it and I saw myself writing a letter to the, um, the judge saying, you know, your honor, please look at the history of this divorce. Before the divorce even entered the court, I was accused of potentially kidnapping my child, kidnapping my children. The court saw that was a farce and said no to it. I've been accused of being bipolar and was requested that I have a psychological evaluation. The court said no to that. I've been accused of adultery, emotional abuse. I was accused of potentially being harmed, harmful to my wife when she now turns around and says she had to call 911 because she feared for her safety when in fact she called out of manipulation saying if I left the house and on the motorcycle she was going to call the police because she was so worried about my safety and I saw myself saying this to the court and realizing goodness gracious here I am ruminating on this and back in court and this is exactly what the devil wants me to do this is the essence of spiritual warfare right here that's why I took the time to say, nope, I'm going to record this. I immediately caught myself and was going to enter into prayer. And I said, no, people need to understand that even after you know all the things I know, and of course, I'm not saying I know it all. I have a lot to learn. But even after you know and the lights have been turned on to spiritual warfare and understanding it, and you get to this place where you have a grip on it and you can teach other people about it, it doesn't mean that you won't be given to walk right back in the old ways and it certainly doesn't mean you're going to not have these experiences of spiritual warfare on the contrary you'll have them even more so here i am having this and i catch myself right in the middle of it and so right now the way i'm going to handle it is i just say right now father in the name of the lord jesus christ god i thank you Lord, I thank you that you warned me of these attacks. I thank you you've been so faithful to me over two and a half years and you've given me the unfair advantage with your grace made available to me by showing me the enemy is on attack. Father, even though I'm tired today in this car, God, I thank you and I just hand it right back over to you. I am not going to pick it up. I am not going to carry this. I refuse to ruminate over it and try to figure it out or solve it. God, this is a spiritual problem. And I and spiritual problems must be handled in a spiritual realm, Lord, not with me sitting thinking and strategizing. It's like me trying to negotiate with the devil. It doesn't work. Father, I thank you for the warning. I thank you, God, for 2 Thessalonians 3:3, knowing that you are faithful and you will strengthen me and protect me from the evil one. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you protect my mind, my body, my soul, and my spirit from this attack. 
I pray, Father, that you silence the enemy, God, that you, that you would thwart his plans, God, to create continual, nonstop harassment. God, I'm being harassed. I'm being unjustly accused and harassed. Father, I thank you for the thorn in the flesh. I thank you that you've made me dependent upon you and that I am humbled by this. But God, I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would squash this continued attempt to harass me. Father, I trust for your deliverance. You have shown me over and over again your deliverance. You've shown me even today four 555s after I saw the 666. God, I know that you will deliver me. I saw the 777 multiple times, and I trust you for your justice. God, I place it in your hands now. I'm not going to think about it anymore today. God, I am going to trust that you will direct my steps, that you will order the circumstances in my favor so that your justice and my justice prevails. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I ask all of these things and I believe them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's how I handle these things. When I begin to feel anxious, I turn around and hand them right back to the enemy. And it doesn't matter how many times I have to do it. I mean, I hand them right back to the Father when the enemy attacks. So I'm not going to sit and listen and ruminate. And that way, I'm not carrying it. See, the way the enemy works is he wants you to ruminate over it and think about it and try to problem solve it and get yourself all anxious. And, and he wants you to act on it. If he can mess with your mind long enough and get you to act out of fear, concern, he's got you. He's got you. I'm not playing that game anymore. I'm smart enough now with God's help to recognize when I'm being attacked and to, like a little child, become dependent upon my father for help. And I hand it off to him and say, look, Daddy, they're picking on me again. Help me, not me trying to take care of it myself. Because there are things I could do and say in an attempt to justify, to squash it, to manipulate it. I'm not dare going to do that. That's not the way to win. Spiritual battles are won with spiritual weapons. I was just uh, listening to the Reinhard Bonnke CD, uh, Healing in the Glory, Claiming the Promises of God in the Scripture. And the one that Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it for you. I hit stop and I began to pray and I said, Father, please stop the harassment. Stop these constant hearings. The devil is constantly accusing me and harassing me. This is totally out of control. And I said, Lord, I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would put an end to this, Lord. Make it to where I do not have to appear on the 2nd, I mean on the 6th or the 15th without being in trouble such that I can peer via the phone or cancel the hearings or do whatever you need to do to stop the harassment, Lord. In Jesus' name, I asked him to stop, and I prayed against the enemy. While I was doing that, I looked up and I saw 303, which is 2 Thessalonians 3.3, and the Lord is faithful and will strengthen and protect you, protect you from the evil one. I am believing that God is going to do that very thing. So I was just, I uh, finished up that recording. I was just uh, listening to Reinhard Bonnke's um, Healing in the Glory CD where I'm claiming the promises of God and trying to just use the Word of God to satiate my soul and to keep me from ruminating on 
you know, what the enemy's doing here with my mind and the court and all that stuff. And I just began to listen to the CD intently and the scripture came up. I tell you the truth, if you ask anything in my name and I will do it for you. And so I stopped and I immediately began to ask God to put a stop to the harassment. I asked the Lord to stop the enemy in his tracks and to stop the hearings or to prevent me from having to show up at them and to just literally put an end to this non-stop accusations and harassment. The enemy just keeps harassing me. That's all they keep doing. There's unfounded. There's nothing that they have. They just keep on court date after court date after hearing after hearing. And it's just ridiculous. Accusation after accusation. So I was believing God for that. While I was doing that, I see 202, which is, I know your hard work. I've seen your perseverance. I know that you detest the wicked and have found those that claim to be apostles not to be, meaning those that claim to be Christians not. Then I look up my my phone, I mean, look up at the clock, and it's 303, which is 2 Thessalonians 3.3, which says, The Lord is faithful and will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Then, as I finished up that... I look up and I see these billboards all filled with 212 on both sides. Exit 212. 212 is Psalm 212. You have granted him the desire of his heart and have not withheld the request of his lips. Praise the Lord. So I'm believing in faith that God is going to protect me. He's going to re- he's going to shelter me from these accusations and he's going to stop these hearings or He's going to make it so that I can appear via phone, and he's still going to protect me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe it. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness, Lord, against these horrible battles, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. So I just finished praying that prayer, believing that God would move on this these hearings and, and make it to where I didn't have to show up, or I could appear by phone, or I you know, wouldn't be held in contempt. And... I get out of the car to Starbucks to get me a coffee. I walk up to the door and I look to my left and there's a car. First car, only car I look at. BMW, license plate, 777. And I was like, thank you, Lord. I just put a smile on my face. I went in to use the restroom and I'm smiling the whole time and just thanking God because there he is again. I just prayed and humbled myself, put my dependence back upon him. And now he's again telling me, I got this. And... I uh, come out of the restroom, go order my coffee. While I'm waiting for my coffee, I check my email, and there's an email from the judge's assistant to the attorney saying, you'll need to reschedule the hearings for a time when both parties are available. She thinks that both of you need to appear in person, which means that I'm not going to have to appear on the 6th or the 15th um, via phone, and uh, we're gonna have, they're going to have to re-coordinate. So there again, God, uh, one step at a time, taking care of it for me and I'm just so thankful so thankful Psalm 34 around verse 17 says something to the effect of many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all and uh, the next thought that occurred to me was all of the afflictions that I have had you know the childhood the gym bad employers the loss of money the lawsuits you know, being accused, the loss of the marriage, loss of the business, loss of everything, all these different afflictions, loss of my best friend, and how many times, how much time I have spent trying to understand it and, and figure it all out.
and, you know, solve the mystery, solve the problem. And God really kind of just that one time said, you don't need to deconstruct everything I do. You just need to trust me. Don't try to deconstruct. All, a lot of these things are going to remain a mystery. And as I was just thinking about it, I realized that the idea of trying to figure out and know the mind of God and everything is an attempt, again, to arrange our circumstances such that we can fix our problems. It's, again, about pain relief or right living, living comfortably rather than literally finding God and communing with Him. And I think that the Lord keeps us in the dark, those that He loves, on many things, simply so that we remain in a place of dependence upon Him. If we were able to deconstruct everything that God does in our life and all of the problems in our life, we would be so fast to run and solve all the problems and just be a problem solver and and get our life working and teach other people how to get their life working rather than people who seek God, who adore Him, who trust Him, and who depend upon Him. That just makes total clarity sense to me. I mean, that just makes too much sense. I don't need to figure out what happened in my childhood. I don't need to know if it's a generational curse. I don't need to completely understand if it's something God did just to discipline me or if he chose to give me a Job-type story or if it was things that were caused by myself. I'm at a place now where with the communing with the Father I have, the answers to those questions don't even matter. They don't matter because God's not interested in me chasing a, a life that works. He's interested in me chasing him. So many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Not many are the afflictions of the righteous, but with enough study and enough self-reflection and enough examination, one can solve the problems, deconstruct all the issues, and get back to safety again. Get back to comfortable living again. No, he doesn't say that. The Lord delivers him out of them all. I'm headed to my meeting with Pastor Rusty Nelson today. I met with uh, the associate pastor about four months ago, and this meeting today with Pastor Rusty has been rescheduled um, twice, uh, if not three times. I told the Lord last week if this reschedules again that I'll know that he's closing the door and I'll just know that I'm not supposed to meet with him. And they called me yesterday to confirm. So today I've been praying, Lord, you know, your will be done. Guide me and direct me. I don't know why I'm going here. Um, don't know, don't really have any agenda at all. I'm going to tell him a little bit about my story. And when I got in the car while I was praying, I saw um, 411 on the clock. And 411 is Proverbs 411. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. So I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. I just rest in his wisdom. So, um... I have no idea what to expect. This could end up being a dud, or this could end up being a very significant meeting. I really just have no idea what God is up to, but I'm going in, going to this meeting out of what I believe is obedience. The timing of it I find very interesting because it was canceled so many times, and the first couple of times I would have met with him, I wouldn't have been able to tell him about this ministry that I have that God has given me. So the timing of all this is very interesting. I just did this last week, and now here I'm, I've only been back in Florida one day. Yesterday, last night. So here I go. I'm pulling in the parking lot, and I see a 111. I've been working at both Starbucks today, and on my way to the one at Airport Road, 
I got a call from Bobby Junkin and uh, talked to him and said, hey, man, if you want to come talk, he was wanting to get together. And I said, if you want to come talk, I'm down here at the Airport Road Starbucks. So he drove down to see me and just had a great conversation with him, talking about his faith and how for the last seven to eight weeks since he met me, he's been reading the Word every day, seeking God, praying, changing his life around and growing more in the Lord. And I was just so thrilled to hear that. And God is really turning the lights on. And I'm thinking, man, this is another fruitful, um, you know, encounter I'm having. It's just wonderful to see God doing the fruit. And he's so excited about my project that I'm working on. And then he told me that he wants to um, start the story video. And I was so excited. So we're going to, we put a date for next Wednesday and I'm just thinking, God, I have no money. I told him about, you know, me living by faith and I just trust God and, and when I need it, the money just shows up and he, um, he told me if he had $20,000 in the bank right now, he would give it to me to do the thing if he had some extra money and he just feels so, uh, you know, strong towards the, the, the ministry that I'm starting and I'm just, I was so excited about that. But then he, he's hiring me for the video. So starting next week, I'll have work. I'll have money. It's a $5,000 job. I'm thrilled. God is such an amazing provider. Again, showing me, proving to me, I do not have to depend upon myself. I can totally trust him. It is absolutely incredible how my God does this. He is amazing. This morning is Tuesday, October 31st of all days, Halloween. And after the phone call I got this morning at 6.30 in the morning, I can begin to understand more why um, Larry says the comment he does on video about watching my life. He can't wait to see what happens next because it's like watching a Hollywood action movie that never ends. And, boy, that just seems to be the case. I um, am dumbfounded at what's going on, what God is doing. I get a phone call this morning at 6.30. So backing up for a minute, there's been two two people this whole two-and-a-half-year divorce process that I have felt the most amount of resistance from that I felt like just didn't understand um, the truth about what he was doing to me and that literally the enemy was having his way with her and that she was walking in total deception, in total disobedience, and really just being a very wicked enemy and violating all of God's laws and rules. Two people, Sally Martin and Tawanda Mills. More by a long shot, Sally Martin, because she's the one that that was used to instigate this whole process to begin with. But then there was Tawanda, who Carrie would end up going to work for. Now, Greg Mills, her husband, at one point was one of my board of advisors and one of my most respected mentors. And when he went to work for Tawanda... This set the stage for there to begin to be a little hint of animosity between us. I was confused. I thought, gosh, how could somebody that loves God like Tawana do not fully understand what she's just done by hiring who is acting purely evil? I mean, the behavior that she's doing is way beyond just somebody who's upset or angry or being disobedient. This was blatant, consistent, long-term evil, wickedness that she has been hammering me with but I left my hands off of it and God has asked me to trust him and so I didn't dare try to have any conversations with her 
Um, when I would go and see Greg, I kind of knew that Greg and I's relationship was a little different. And I suspected Greg didn't want to get caught in the middle. Here he probably still had love, respect, and affection for me, and yet his wife hired um, and he has now spent, you know, the better part of, you know, two years or at least a year and a half with the kids being in school there, trashing me, bad-mouthing me, and making me out to be just a, I'm sure, an evil, rotten person, sharing with her all the same accusations that I've had an affair, that I'm bipolar, that I'm emotionally abusive, that I stole kids' money, all of the same old things that she said in court, I feel confident she had told to Wanda and Sally. So... Interestingly enough, at Larry and Trisha's wedding, Sally Martin and I have that moment of awkwardness. I mean, I forgave her two years ago on an audio journal where I just said, Father, forgive her for she knows not what she does. And she came up to me after all this time, the person who instigated the war that would result between my wife and I, really just my wife against me, she, I went up to her to say hi and to talk to her and her husband for a minute, and you could feel the tension, and all of a sudden, she began to cry, and she began to tell me that she was sorry for taking sides, and that she was so angry at me after listening to but that she owed me an apology because she began to see that was demonizing Larry, and she knew better. She knew that Larry was not the person he was making him out to be. So she could make up all kinds of lies about me. Sally wasn't there to see me and didn't quite honestly know the full extent of my character in these things. But she knew Larry. And when she heard demonizing Larry, she was like, wait a second, this math ain't adding up. And then the lights began to come on. And when the court thing happened where Sally came over and said hello to Larry and Norma, took great offense to that and wrote her off and didn't contact her anymore, talk to her anymore. So... She apologized to me. So God had brought the truth to life. And I I just, I started to weep because of God's goodness, his faithfulness. I didn't have to do anything to defend myself in that situation. I did exactly what the Father told me. Trust him. Turn the other cheek. Do not resist an evil person. And be willing to be wronged. And I did. And here it was, one of my enemies now coming to confess and ask for forgiveness. And I just hugged her and told her I loved her. And, and that I absolutely forgave her and for her to not worry. So this morning at 6.30, that's been two weeks ago that that happened. The other person being Tawanda Mills, who I've noticed would be short with me in texts and would say, you know, let me know when you're coming to this school and was always just kind of short, not very compassionate with me, not understanding. And I thought, she just doesn't have any idea. Bless her heart, she has pulled the wool over her eyes. She is an image management queen. She manages the external appearance of things, makes it look like she's so pretty and well-kempt and respectful and, you know, godly on the outside. And on the outside, on the inside, she is black as soot. And so she puts on this image for people and they don't see it because they don't get to know her. She doesn't let herself be known. She never is in any relationship or stays anywhere long enough to show who she really is. She always blames it that it's other people. Bible studies, people we work with, groups we've been a part of, leadership things, relationships. She always blames it on somebody else. It's always their fault. She doesn't want people to see the real her. So now I'm having these conversations with Tawanda, and I'm like, Lord, I trust you. And every time I go to their school, I feel like I'm a criminal. I feel like the teachers are looking at me. I can tell in certain ways. Um, I can tell he's badmouthed me. Um, 
Tawanda was always very uncomfortable with how I would be there. And, and it was just, how do you define the relationship? I was so close with them and loved them so much and cared so much about them. And now my enemy works for her. It's very difficult process to, um, make meaning out of. So basically of all things this morning at six thirty in the morning, I get a phone call from Tawanda Mills. She wakes, wakes me up and I'm like, Oh boy, what is this about? She says, Michael, I need to talk to you as a friend. She said, I am not the principal of the school that your children go to. I am not your wife's boss right now. I'm talking to you as a friend. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I said, absolutely, Tawanda. And I sat up in my bed and she said, Michael, there is something seriously wrong with me. I didn't say anything, okay? I said, okay. And she said, Michael, she quit, withdrew the children, her mom quit, and there is something wrong with that woman. And I said, well, I said, I'm going to start to cry because you're calling me and telling me this. This has been a long time coming. I've been waiting for something like this to happen, for the, the truth to come out. And I said, she's, and then she just said, Michael, she said, the way she treats these children, you cannot believe what I've seen. She said, I saw her the other day berating your son in the middle of the reception area, get, trying to get him to accuse a teenage boy of going in the girl's room when he didn't do it. And she was trying, she was screaming at your son, trying to get him to accuse the teenage boy. She said, we've had parent complaints now that have arised where... She treats the children so disrespectfully. She said, Michael, her and her mother are both the exact same way. She said they're both prejudiced. She said there was a, a learning disabled child that she was having a parent-teacher conference with and disrespectfully said to the parent at one point and caught her off, cut her off and said, well, it's not like we're trying to teach her rocket science here. She gave me example after example after example of things that has been doing that are just horrible. I was shocked to hear this because I thought she was hiding all of this. She said, Michael, remember when you came to lunch last week? And I said, yeah. She said, she went up to the receptionist, Miss Cruz, leaned over the counter at her and said, don't you ever let my ex-husband come to this school again to have lunch with my children again without telling me first. Tawanda had a conversation. They ended up having all kinds of disagreements with parents and there was apparently all kinds of chaos going on and so and her mother both wrote a really long horrible letter to the school about how wrong they were and things that were going on and um, they had a meeting with Tawanda and Tawanda I guess that was brought up about her screaming at Miss Cruz about me not coming in and Tawanda said we don't have to inform you that Michael's coming to visit and Tawanda said, you know what? This meeting is over. And mother looked at me and said, well, this lasted about a minute and a half longer than I expected. What do you know? Let's go. And they got up, took the children, withdrew the children from school, and they both quit. And there's complaints from parents against both teachers. Apparently, both of them are rude and disrespectful and, and saying mean things to the kids and I was hearing this going holy moly I was shocked I mean I was just in a state of shock to hear this not surprised but shocked 
because God had told me that his mighty acts of judgment, that 6, 6, Exodus 6, verse 6, I will redeem them with my hand and, and perform mighty acts of judgment. And I so I've known that this story isn't over yet. God is still up to some things. He's still bringing the truth to the surface. So this has been just profound. And then she says, Michael, she said, do you remember seeing Kaylee's eye, her black eye? And I said, yes. She said, Michael, we have heard three different stories about how that happened. And she said, I was going to call for help, call for, you know, investigation. She said, but with things reaching the meltdown point, it, we never got around to it. But she said, I'm worried for those children. In one hand, this was so bittersweet because in one hand, it vindicates everything I've known that nobody has believed. Um, this woman has done all of these horrible things and accused me of the very things that she's done. She has physically abused the children, not me. She accused me of doing it. She has had an affair, not me, and she accused me of having one. She is the one that screams and yells and is emotionally abusive. She this whole time has accused me of all the things that she herself has done. And so to see this happen, and now God has told me that I can trust the children. So I am still trusting and I'm waiting, but God has told me to put on the full armor, to take up the shield of faith, to know, and here is uh, 333 right here. Call unto me and I will show you great and unsearchable things. God has been showing me that this whole time so that he could show me the underbelly of what's going on with these things. And uh, so now I'm just kind of at a place where I'm waiting. I don't know what God's going to do. There's some outstanding court hearings that are supposed to happen. Obviously, this is going to really change the potential for that. It's just really bizarre. And I wanted to catch this, but I felt like, you know, she kind of called and apologized to me this morning. And, uh, you know, now I, I know the truth and now they know the truth. So anyhow, I just, I've been praying for the Lord. I have peace that God is going to take care of the children and that uh, he's going to continue to have his will done. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens.